Podcast Junkies, episode number 24. Welcome back. This is the, it seems like the 10th take of this intro. Um, I actually switched over to standing up for this, as I usually do for most of my interviews. Um, what I find is that I get better um, energy level, get the diaphragm opened up, and much more excited when um, I'm speaking to my guests and I'm recording uh, this audio. So highly recommend that if you don't do that now, you give it a shot. It does wonders for um, your energy. So I'm um, excited about today's show. We've got uh, John Corcoran who was actually referred to me by a mutual friend, Joshua Jordanson. So shout out to JJ. You can find him over at uh, joshuajordanson.com. And um, he put us in touch and we connected and it was a great fit. And I think the topic that John covers networking is really, really invaluable. As we get into the episode, you'll hear uh, some really genuine um, nuggets of wisdom from all of uh, John's years of experience doing this. And he actually put me in touch with a couple of other potential guests after the show. The man is constantly <laughs> networking and he understands um, the power of, of constantly giving, which is important. It's what uh, Gary Vaynerchuk refers to in the book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. And you just always constantly give value and just look for opportunities to help people out wherever you can. So if sometime down the road you might need something, um, you know, it, it would just be a natural uh, give for that person because you've helped them out in the past. But it shouldn't be something that you're looking out for or, or you're doing it with the intention of getting something back because then again, that would just defeat the purpose. So um, another bit of uh, interesting good news is that we have our first sponsor of the show. It actually happens to be uh, a project of mine. It's it's uh, called ProdConf. It's uh, P-R-D-C-N-F dot com. And it's an acronym for Productivity Conference. And, and it's an event that'll be held in the summer of 2015 here in the Los Angeles area. And it's in the works now. And uh, you're going to be hearing more about it as the weeks progress. Uh, and possibly on, on another spin-off show that I might be working on. But for now, it's uh, the, the sponsor of this particular episode. So for, to get uh, signed up for the more details, there's a launch page at prdcnf.com. It's ProdConf, and I'm really excited about that and um, hoping to bring some very interesting folks to that conference. So stay tuned for more. So without further ado, John Corcoran and the power of networking. Oh, by the way, <laughs> we have uh, some additional giveaways from John. Almost forgot. He's got uh, a, a little giveaway for listeners of the show, but you're going to have to listen all the way to the end to get the URL and the details. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, so John Corcoran, uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan of uh, the podcast, and uh, thanks for coming on Podcast Junkies. Hey, my pleasure, Harry. Glad to be here. John, I'm, I'm, I was very, I, I was listening to your recent, po um, one of your recent shows with uh, Jor uh, Jordan from uh, the Art of Charm, and yep. uh, it was interesting because uh, the beauty of having a podcast is, is it can help you as a research tool. 
as well. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I say that you know it's like your professional development doubling yes. as marketing. Yeah, and so it's, it's it's interesting because what I did with um, your interview with um, Jordan is I listened to him interviewing you, and then I thought, okay, and and then I found that you had interviewed him as well. And so, so it's interesting to hear like you on, on both sides of the microphone, so to speak. Um, but what struck me the most was like the, the way you guys deep dove into the power of networking. Um, and um, you, you've worked in the, in the past for folks like uh, Bill Clinton and, and Steven Spielberg. Um, and, and I know a lot of what you've done has led you to this path. And, and, and I think starting at the beginning, what I'm interested in is if you thought of the podcast when you started it as a networking tool. Um, I didn't, I don't think I realized its full potential as a tool for building your network. Um, I had done interviews over the phone, which weren't like, it wasn't like a true podcast. I mean, and this is actually a great way for people to get started. I mean, I had a blog and I was like, I want to do interviews. So I would just record an interview using freeconferencecall.com, record it. And then I would like post it basically not using a separate host like Libsyn that you pay for, but just like posting it directly to my blog. And it didn't get, you know, into iTunes or anything like that. And sometimes I transcribe the interview and put it on my blog. It's, you know, a real basic way to get started. It doesn't cost you hardly anything. You know, it also doesn't get you much audience because it's not in iTunes, it's not in Stitcher, that kind of thing. Um, but it was, you know, as far as I could, as much as I could handle from a, a technical uh, background. So I realized this potential. And I just realized, okay, well, I'm going to formalize this. I'm going to make this an actual podcast. I'm going to give it an actual name. I'm going to try and do it on a regular basis. And I'm going to use it in order to reach out and, and build relationships. And, and, and also, I was thinking about it just from the perspective of, you know, from me professionally, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I was then. I still am a lawyer, a practicing lawyer. And my, my clientele are small business owners and entrepreneurs. And a lot of them struggled with the different things that I was able to interview people about. So, Literally now it's like if I meet someone, whether it's a client, a potential client, or just an entrepreneur that I admire, a business owner that I admire, and and they explain to me that they're struggling with something, I can probably point them to a podcast interview that I've done that it would be of value to them. So it's 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 got multiple different dimensions to it. On the one hand, you're building a relationship with the person that you're interviewing, or the or, you know, or if you're being interviewed, you're building a relationship with that person, like we are right now. And then you're also it's doubling as professional development. You're you're learning. You're you're educating yourself at the same time about something. Like I learn about all kinds of different things, you know that that help me in my business. And you're building a relationship with your audience. People who listen to it are getting to know you. And sometimes they want to hire you for whatever service that you provide. So there's multiple different dimensions to actually having a podcast. So when you how long were you doing the blog before you decided to jump into the podcasting? Um, let's see. Well, I've been writing for the web forever. I mean, like since like the mid nineties off and on, but I didn't have a, a regular blog. I started blogging earnest in about 2000, uh, late, either late 2007 or beginning of 2008. And then I rebranded in about, um, spring of 2012 and I started the podcast in September of 2012. So okay. about six months later. Um, do you feel like there was a, maybe a, a tipping point when you first started, was there any apprehension about jumping into podcasting because you hadn't done it before? And there's probably not this, there wasn't the slew maybe at the time that you started of resources now on how to podcast. And, you know, there's Pat Flynn videos, Cliff Ravenscraft videos all over the web about how to get started. But I wonder like who was your guide as you were getting this kicked off? 
Actually, both of, there were um, that was a big barrier. The technical um, limitations, like trying to figure out how to get it, you know, set up. And I was totally bootstrapping it. Like I didn't want to spend any money to have someone set it up for me. Although in retrospect, it would have I probably would have started about six months earlier. And I had the Cliff Ravenscraft videos I'd seen because he has a bunch of free videos on there, and I'd watched through those. But he has a, a more elaborate process. You know, he's he bought all kinds of equipment and he records into an audio recorder. And it was confusing to me and I wasn't sure how to do it. And also, I don't remember him having videos that were showing me how to uh, upload Libsyn and set things up in Libsyn. And it wasn't until actually the Pat Flynn videos came out around August or September of 2012 that showed you step by step how to go through it all. And literally, those are the ones that made the difference. Like being watching those were what ex- showed me how to do it. And I finally broke through and got it, got it all posted. Now I have a VA who does the post-production for me, so I don't get as involved in that stuff. Yeah, I think the the holy grail for every podcaster is just to show up, uh, record the episode, and then literally have the magic happen afterwards and everything taken care of. The posts show up on WordPress and magically like uh, transported to all the social media networks <laughs> and socializes. Yeah, I think that it's it's valuable to get to that point, but it's also valuable to know how it works on the back end. And some people are just tech people and they love doing that kind of thing. I mean, I'm, I have a friend who's got a very high trafficked podcast that he should have outsourced uh, that stuff. He continues to do it himself because he just likes doing it. Yeah. I, I'm still doing my own editing just because I like um, something I picked up from Srinivas Rao when I interviewed him was um, he likes listening to the audio to figure out opportunities for where he could have asked a different question or asked a question that he might have missed. And he sort of learns and it's sort of like watching the, the replay tape if you're a football player <laughs> mon- uh, on, on Monday to see where you could have improved the process. Yeah, and that's actually something Caleb Wojcik recommended to me. We were talking about this a number of months ago. And um, he said, so how often do you listen to your own podcast? And I was like, oh, not that often. And he's like, well, then how do you know what it's like for the you know, the listener? You might be telling the same story over and over again week after week, and they're getting really bored with it. I was like, oh, that's a good point. So there is real value to listening to it. And just my dad was in broadcast TV, live broadcast TV, a local TV news reporter for about 20, 25 years. And so I come from that background. And so I know that there's tremendous value to listening to something so that you hear all the ums and the ahs and the things that you stumble over and the ways you could have asked a question better. There's real value to learning those skills. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned your dad. And, and one of the things you talked about on, your, on a previous interview you had was the importance of looking for every opportunity to, to, to strike up a, a conversation or to engage with people and stand out. And I think you were talking about the time that you were waiting in line uh, to get a picture with Bill Clinton. And your dad had uh, you had found out that he had he had been a fan of Westerns. And I think you put a couple of uh, DVDs together and you bundled them up. And so when you got to him, obviously, it's something that caught his eye and he was immediately interested. So um, I thought that was fascinating uh, takeaway. And it's something that, that I think you can do even in your podcast. If, if you take the time to engage with your guests on a more personal level, I think you get a more valuable conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- you're trying to be helpful to the audience. So, you know, for your audience, for Podcast Junkies audience, if there's anything that that you can do to help them out, I think that it just makes you a better guest overall if you do that. And that story, I'll, I'll just tell it real quickly for the benefit of your listeners. So I worked in the Clinton White House as a writer uh, in the Clinton White House uh, at a very young age. In retrospect, I was 23 years old. 
very fortunate. I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I didn't come from a well-connected family in order to get that job. I just basically was good at managing relationships. I was an intern and then afterwards built relationships with the speechwriters, remained in touch, heard about this job, applied and, and got it. And um, so I worked there for a couple of years and they do, um, I don't know if they still do it, but the historic radio address is recorded by the president, usually on the weekends on Saturday or Sunday morning. And the way they do it is they do it in the Oval Office if he's in town. In town, And uh, VIPs get to come in and uh, and wait and, and watch him record it and then get a picture with him. And so there are like 150 people there. And we knew that the photo line would go really quickly. So we brought these DVDs in order to uh, get a little bit more time with him. I'd gotten a tip from a friend who worked in another office that he was collecting uh, old Western movies. So we brought these Westerns we hand him one over, we end up having like a five to 10 minute conversation with the president standing there in the, in the heart of power, right? With the most powerful man in the world. And um, the reason I tell that story and on various different podcasts is because I want to illustrate for people that if I can do that with the most powerful man in the world, if I can stop all the VIPs in line and have a conversation about something as personal as just talking about old Western movies, then you can do that as well for a person that you admire, a person that you look up to, a person that you want to meet. And, and a podcast actually is a tremendous tool for doing that because now you don't need to ask people to meet you for coffee at a Starbucks, which is nearly impossible to do the more, more, you know, more, more busy someone gets. You can actually have a podcast or, as I said earlier, record something, just post it on your blog. And you're actually providing value to them because you're providing exposure to them. Yeah, and I think one of the things you touched upon was the power of that reach because the phone call or the or the coffee conversation just helps that one person. Whereas if you take a converse, this conversation, put it online, it's just exponentially larger the the reach that it can have. Yeah, I mean the, the example I always give is you know if I called up Guy Kawasaki or Dan Pink and I said, "Hey guys, I'm going to be in your neighborhood." Next weekend, um, do you want to meet me at a Starbucks for uh, 45 minutes so I can pick your brain about uh, things, the questions that I have and, and apply it to my business? They'd be like, screw you, who are you, go away. But because I reached out to both of them and said, I've got a podcast, can I spend 45 minutes, can I record it, ask you questions, record it, and then publish it to a platform that has infinite reach and will be up for as long as the internet is up? it makes a huge difference, huge difference. So doing that, making that one little change really opens the doors. And I've had, I've been fortunate to have some amazing guests on my podcast who I've been able to build relationships with just because of having the podcast. Have you noticed the change in your approach into how you go after guests or the type of guests you're willing to, to see if you can have on the show? Obviously in the beginning, like a lot of podcasters do, they, they want to get their feet wet. They want to talk to anyone who'll listen to them or anyone who'll jump on a Skype call. But uh, did you notice that changed either with the popularity of the show or just you feeling more comfortable as, as a host? Well, I still have a list of a zillion people that I want to have on the podcast. And um, I'm of the opinion when it comes to podcasts that it is kind of still a small universe. And especially when you narrow it down even further into like entrepreneurship, and I imagine this is the same if you narrow it down to health and fitness or you narrow it down to comedy or something, that there tend to be the same people who are guests on a lot of different podcasts. And there's, there's pros and cons to that approach. On the one hand, they tend to be well-prepared. They tend to be good guests. That makes it easier for the podcast listener, makes it more engaging for the pod, uh, sorry, makes it more, better and easier for the podcast host, makes it 
more interesting and engaging for the podcast listener. On the other hand, you know, it can be very boring if the same people are interviewed on every podcast. So I like to introduce a little bit more variety and, and have a, a mix of people on my podcast. On the other hand, you know, there's no doubt that people who have got like a large social media following can help get more exposure for your podcast by sharing it amongst their following. And then that in, in turn can help you get more podcasts, uh, better guests and more listeners. So that's why people tend to get the same guests over and over again. So I try and vary it up and have, you know, some people who are frequent guests on other podcasts, but I also try and introduce new people. Like, for example, just yesterday I was interviewing a guy named David Shapiro, who's someone who I know in my local community here. He founded a company called Cartelligent, which yeah, I know you live in L.A. now. He, they have a location in Los Angeles and they started in the San Francisco Bay Area. They're like a you know how like miserable it is to buy a new car. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know how like you hate it, like it's a horrible experience. That for like a couple hundred bucks, they'll step in and they'll do it for you. Huh. And you won't even have to step into a dealership because they'll deliver it to their location. You show up to them. They negotiate the price. They negotiate the terms of the lease or the or the uh, purchase contract or whatever, and they get it all done for you for a couple hundred bucks. Totally worth it, right? That's fantastic. That's, yeah, I know. We got a car through them before I met David. So I wanted to interview him to ask him about that. And it's a very disruptive technology too, right? Because yeah. it's like it's disrupting the Apple cart. You know, for the longest time, people just had to go into showrooms and buy cars. And this is a different way of doing it. And so that, that was a really interesting interview, just bringing him on there. And that's actually another element to having a podcast is building a relationship with someone in your local community as well yeah. and introducing them to a larger audience. And so, like, for example, I've also interviewed other clients of mine who's a photographer who's doing some interesting things. I interviewed a guy who uh, started a local professional sports team here, a local uh, semi, like an independent professional baseball team okay. here. You know, like, what's it like to start a sports team from scratch, right? Yeah. So that was fascinating. But the other way I'll say that my guest selection has changed, and yeah, some of them have gotten, I definitely have been able to get big, bigger guests as I've gone, gone along, because now I can say, hey, I've had Guy Kawasaki on, I've had Dan Pink on, I've had Noah Kagan on. When I say that to other people, they're like, oh, okay, he, this guy must be legit, right? Yeah. But the, the other way that my guest selection has changed is that just my blog, my focus on my blog has changed. I was more generally talking about entrepreneurship in general. And I honed into what I write about now, what I talk about now, which is focusing on how to turn your relationships into revenue, mm. how to build a network, how to build relationships with influencers and VIPs, or just someone who matters to you in your local community, and then how to use that relationship to get more clients, to get better clients, to get uh, more, to advance your career, um, to grow your income. And so I focus on that now. So now my, my guests tend to be more aligned with those particular goals. Is that something that happened uh, as you started interviewing people and you noticed because you had a podcast, because you were able to speak to people and then maybe in your outside world too with some of the other groups that you're part of, that it's sort of, uh, or maybe it's something you always knew, but the, the power of networking and the power of um, the people in your Rolodex and your ability to connect people because sometimes it may not be something where they can help you immediately, but you know these two people and you know that those two people should meet. And so is that something that 
sort of clicked one day and you're like, you know what? The network is actually more important than some of these other discussions about entrepreneurship because everyone's talking about that. Yeah, it did click one day. And it was for me, it, it, in looking back in retrospect at my career, I realized that I was doing it without consciously knowing that I was doing it. So, for example, you know, uh, not everyone gets not everyone who's an intern at the White House gets a job at the White House. There are thousands of interns per year, but and a lot of them want to get a job there, but not all of them can. But I continued to remain in touch with the people who I knew who worked there who would hear about the job so that if the job came up, which it did, that they would tell me about it. And I did things like introduce them to other people or introduce them to other information. Like I remember I would send articles or other speeches back to the speechwriters to give them valuable resources that I thought would be of use to them. And I just did that in part because that's my nature. I tend to like to help people. And in part because I wanted, I knew that that was a way of keeping in touch with someone so that they would look out for me if a job came up without being obtrusive about it. I mean, it's a lot more annoying to like call them up on a weekly basis and say, hi, remember me? Did you get a job yet? No. Okay. I'll call you in a week. That would be really annoying. But by, by providing value to them is a better way of going about it. But I, yeah, I mean, I've done this throughout my career. I mean, I worked in, in, as you mentioned, I worked for Steven Spielberg at DreamWorks, um, early on when it, very early on after the company had been founded on one of their early projects. Um, I, I worked. Uh, I've worked in the heart of Silicon Valley, across the street from eBay, working with startup founders. Um, and today, I've got my own small boutique law firm catering to entrepreneurs and small business owners. And relationships are one hundred percent crucially important to keeping the lights on with that business because it's all about keeping relationships strong and um, getting referrals for that business. So um, it's it's critically important. Do you get the feeling uh, that? Uh, people underestimate that skill set and, and maybe not so much because, you know, in the circles that you're in, you talk to people who do understand that and that leads to, to you having the conversations that you can have. But, you know, sometimes you you meet folks who are not in this world and even people when you mention a podcast are like, what's that? You know, and so, yeah, do you find that sometimes it's it's not seen as the valuable tool that it really is? I think it's very easy to forget. You know, because we we get busy or we get focused on the work that we're doing. And so it's not really intentional often. Um, it just kind of happens. You know, we, we forget to reach out to someone and pretty soon nine months or a year have gone by and they're not thinking of us and we're not thinking of them. So it, you need to make it a habit in your life. That's definitely important to do that. Um, but, yeah, there are certainly people who don't don't see the value in um, many, you know, in, in reaching out to people that you just met, spending time, you know, helping them out when you don't see a direct return or you don't know where there will be some return. I mean, it's funny cause I just literally just interviewed Larry Benet who uh, calls himself the connector. And he is a guy, he's a speaker, an author, a consultant. He runs some high level mastermind groups, does a tremendous job of connecting with people and he was just, you know, telling some stories about ways in which he's connected with VIPs and helped them out. Uh, like he told a story of like connecting with Robert Shapiro, who was on OJ Simpson's dream team, was a, one of the co-founders of LegalZoom, very successful guy. He met him recently, and and then immediately after meeting him, like that that following Saturday, spent um, a couple of hours sending out emails to invite other people that he knew to come to 
a fundraiser that uh, Robert Shapiro and his wife were involved with, not because he thought he was going to get anything in return, but just because he knew that Robert Shapiro was a successful guy, an influential guy. They all live in Los Angeles, and he knew that if he builds a relationship with him, something good might come of it in the future, and often it does. And so when you when you build a relationship like that, you can't immediately take from that relationship specifically, especially if it's someone who's very successful because they're often looking out for people who are just takers. So you have to give, you have to provide value to that person, which means, you know, connecting them with other people who might be interested in attending a charity event that they're going to or introducing them to other people who they think, who you think or they think might be a good connection, helping them with other resources, all kinds of different ways that you can provide value to people. Yeah, it's almost like the networking, it's, it's like a networking muscle. Like the more you work on it, the, the, the better you get in it. And it's, and it's people like that, they do it subconsciously, I imagine, at some point. They always think, you know, what can I do to allow these people to network better together? And it just comes naturally to, to folks like that. It does, but then there are also tools you can use too. Like I'm a big fan of using Contactually, which is a CRM program. I've written about it on my site. Um, that's not the only one out there. There are others out there like Insightly. Um, Salesforce is a famous one. Podio is another one. Uh, but basically it's a tool to manage all the relationships that, that you have. And when you think about the fact that relationships are so critically important – and yet, you know, we'll spend like $100,000 on advanced degree or a, or a BA even, you know, but we won't go and spend 20 or 30 bucks a month and a couple of hours of our time a week focusing on building relationships. You know, it's no wonder that people struggle. You know, I mean, every time I get an email, and this has happened for a long time, long before I ever wrote about this topic, but every time I get an email from someone who just got laid off, and I feel bad for them, but just got laid off and they email me out of the blue and I haven't heard from them in three years. And it's like, hey, how you doing? By the way, looking for a job, do you know of anything? Yeah. You know that feeling? A lot of people are guilty about that and, and they don't think about that because what happens, especially with a, with a moment like you losing your job, right? You're you're in panic mode and you're just blasting out like 60 emails. You're connecting magically to everyone on LinkedIn all of a sudden and, and, it's, and it's like, oh man. Um, yeah, and I'm sure we've all been there because we don't think of it as something you need to work on constantly. Like it's something every day. You, do, you like water the plant a little bit, that networking plant because – you don't know when it's going to pay dividends, but you know that it's important to keep it uh, right. ongoing. And it doesn't have to be just when you lose your job. I mean, obviously, it depends largely on what you do, and it depends largely on what your goals are. So I always start with that when I'm talking with someone, like, what do you do now? What do you want to do? What do you want to do in the future? And then what you should do, this is what I advise a lot of people to do, is create what I call a conversations list, which yeah. is a list of the 50 people that you want to connect with over the course of the next 12 months and build a relationship with. And they might be some people that you know already. They might be some people that you don't know at all. It might be someone who's really world famous like Richard Branson or someone like that or Jay-Z. But put them down, brainstorm them down, and then take steps over the course of the next 12 months to try and build a relationship with them. And having a podcast obviously is a great tool yeah. because that's one way, that's a great way that you can build those relationships. 
Yeah, it's almost like a, a networking visualization board because uh, I've heard you talk about it a couple times, uh, and I think it's a fantastic way to really set some goals around specifically networking and putting things into place. And, and like you said, if you have it in front of you, in front of your computer, on t- taped onto your wall or something like that, you're, you're always thinking. You're staring at that list and saying, "I, I got to do. I got to move a little bit forward and, and start figuring out a way to contact some of these people that have, I haven't been reaching out to." Yeah, or you know, if you use like a CRM program. They send you email reminders like here are five people to follow up with in your Mm. network today. And you can even prioritize them. So you can say this is someone who I want to follow up with every 30 days or 120 days or 90 days or every once a year or something like that. So then it becomes a reminder. You know, it comes up. And then it also they tie in with your email and with your social media. So if you've connected with them more recently, it resets the clock. Mm-hmm. which is really cool. That's good. Yeah. And then you so see, then you get a reminder and then it's also even got email templates or content sharing templates. Yeah. So you like, maybe let's say you write an article and you want to share that with a lot of people. You can send an email blast that looks like a one-on-one email. Like, Hey, yeah. just thought you'd be interested in this. Of course, you don't want to pester people. You want it to be relevant to them. You know, you want it to be a value to them. Uh, but these are tools that definitely help you to build relationships with a larger group of people. Yeah, and I'm a fan of all these tools. And I think on one, on your recent episode, you were talking about some of the ways you can connect tools like uh, Zapier to automate some of this stuff as well, connect to MailChimp and, and help you automate some of that process. And, and uh, Contactually is fantastic. I've, 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 pl- I've played with it a little bit, but I think I definitely need to dive in deeper. I'm, so I'm big on productivity. And it's almost like when I tell people about Evernote, they're like, yeah, I've, I've tried it. You know, no, but are you really using it to its full capacity? And, and, and I do now because I, I, I love all things um, productivity related. And so I, it's the same thing with Contactually. You have to use it and use it and use it every day to get the feel for how it can benefit you the most. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to get comfortable with it. You know, any of those types of tools, you know, and make sure that it works with your goals and that you're clear on what your goals are. I mean, some people say to me that they have three different goals, you know, and then it's like, well, then you need to have three different lists of people that you want to build relationships with. Or that's really diversifying a lot of your efforts and energies. Yeah. So maybe you have secondary goals, like you're passionate about a particular charity, and that's fine. But as far as your career goal goes, you need to focus on this list of 50 people and building relationships with them. And then, you know, the the charity that you work on can be kind of a side thing. Or it can sometimes be complimentary. I mean, becoming a like a member of a board of a local charity can be a great way to build relationships with other people who are influential in your local community. So it can be complimentary as well. So when you talk about making, uh, having the one goal for you, the 50 names would be one goal. Like I have the one goal of, of connecting with these 50 people. When I'm talking about goals, I'm talking about like, what do you, where do you want to be three to five years from now? Right. Do you want to continue to be in the job that you are now or with the company that you are with right now? And but maybe be a little bit higher on the ladder, being making better income, uh, or do, three to five years from now, do you want to be in a completely different profession? Do you want to be self-employed, or, mm-hmm. or do you want to be working for yourself? Do you want to have a small business? You know, there oftentimes people don't think through that first step, mm-hmm. and here's what happens: is that they they end up re their network ends up not supporting their long-term goals because they mm-hmm. don't think through that first step. So if the first step is you want to stay in working for the company that you're in right now and you just want to work your way up the ladder, that's going to be a different list of people. 
if you want to go into a completely different industry, if you're a yoga instructor right now and you want to be a real estate agent, then the people that you want to build relationships with are going to be completely different. You know, or if you want to start your own business, the 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 uh, list of people that you're going to want to build relationships with is going to be completely different. So you have to be clear on what that first goal is so that you can then decide who the people are that are going to support that goal. Yeah, so you have to give it some thought and, and not just create the 50 names that come up and, this, you know, like you said, the Michael Jordans, the Guy Kawasaki's, the Gary Vaynerchuk's, just because you think they're people that you should be connecting with. And if they're not aligned with your goal, yeah. it, it's, to, it's a total disconnect. Yeah, that's true. And oftentimes people will look up to someone and they'll be like, oh, that person's famous and there's something good will come from that. And so they'll try and connect with them, but they're not really someone that they can build a relationship with. You know, uh, so so sometimes it's a fine line there, you know, definitely a fine line, whether you really want to put your energy on that. And sometimes, you know, your time is better spent building relationships with other people who are a little bit further down the ladder who aren't quite as successful. But I don't want to dissuade people from uh, connecting with someone because they feel like that person's too successful. You know, I mean, um, this Larry Benet was telling me a bunch of stories about some you know, phenomenally successful people that he'd connected with and built relationships with just by reaching out to them. He told a story about uh, reaching out to Jay Abraham, who yeah. famous author and, and marketing guru who was coming. He heard somehow that Jay Abraham was coming to Georgia where he lived at the time and ended up uh, the, he was coming with his son who was nine years old. And so um, Larry ended up connecting with um, this science museum, someone at the science museum, approaching the science museum and talk about a win-win. He went to the science museum and said, how would you like to give a VIP tour to this guy, Jay Abraham, who's coming to Georgia, who, by the way, is one of the leading ma- marketing minds of his generation. Yeah. And so they thought, oh, wow, yeah, absolutely. We'll give a VIP tour. So it was mutually beneficial. He put them together, and then that's how he built a relationship with Jay Abraham. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess he didn't, he, did, he, he made the most of that situation, and he figured out where he could get a win for both people. I, I think the only think I was I was thinking about is it's it's always about the right place and the right time because sometimes you may want to meet and speak to someone who's famous but if you're not prepared if you're not if you haven't established like your podcasting interview skills for example or or you don't haven't been doing this enough time it's almost a case of be careful what you ask for because they could show up on your show or you could get introduced to them but if you have nothing to add to that conversation that piques their interest it's almost like a missed opportunity right <laughs> sometimes I feel that way Honestly, about people who are uh, social media gurus, there's a yeah. number of them out there, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm active on Twitter and I'm on Facebook, but I'm no social media guru. And so I've interviewed a few people who are kind of experts in social media, and my questions are generally not that good, you know? <laughs> so I think that it definitely starts with a genuine interest. It starts yeah. with, you know, that, that kind of genuine interest in and, um, you know, and follow that, you know, I mean, to be cognizant of the people who are listening to the interview that you're doing and who you're introducing to your audience, even when your audience is small, but also be sure that you're following what you're interested in, what you're passionate in, passionate about. Yeah, because that'll come through. It's obvious when you listen to podcasts, 
if the host is really just they get all crazy and then you know dropping f-bombs sometimes because they're so excited they don't know what to do it's like i love this topic so much i love you guys so much and they're just you know and you listen so attentively to these people because they speak to you i feel like i'm having these conversations directly to folks you know i i, I listen to scott Britton, the lifelong learner podcast um and a, a new one with performance enhancing podcast with uh Elon Ferdman. And just when these guys speak, man, I feel like you really feel like they're talking to you. And that's the feeling you want to convey as a podcast host. And that's what you're looking for when you listen to podcasts. Because if, you know, a lot of the ones that are just monotonous and, and repetitive are definitely the ones that I've unsubscribed from. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, I, I made that mistake early on. Like when you're doing the early interviews and, you know, yeah. they, they give their first answer to the first question and it's really kind of pedestrian and, and mundane. And then your response is, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like, you yeah, know, when, yeah. when I listen to that, I'm, I'm kind of like, that was not an awesome answer. You know? yeah. It was an okay answer, but, you know, like sometimes you're just so enthusiastic about the process, yeah. which is great because that'll carry you through. I mean, I've done now. I'm about to hit 70 episodes. Yeah. And it takes some stamina. It's been 2 years now. Over wow. two, you know, uh, over 2 years that I've been doing it. So, you know, it it's it's a, it can be a slog and you have to be really interested in the topic. You have to enjoy doing it and you have to start getting feedback from people or else, you know, it's very easy to abandon it. I think John Lee Dumas said that something like 85% or 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode 10? Seven. Seven, episode yeah. seven. Wow, yeah. wow. <laughs> That's funny. Where are they in iTunes? Because I, I don't see that kind of, maybe they just don't show up when you look at different, maybe I don't look that deep down in the rankings or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where, you mean where are the podcasts that uh, haven't made it or just abandoned? or Abandoned. I rarely yeah. see that. I rarely see like, oh, this only has three episodes and it's been two years. Yeah, unless, I'm sure I'm search, unless I'm searching for something really obscure or like by someone's name. Yeah. And yeah, you could see, I mean, it does take a lot of work. And like you said, if it's something that you, th I mean, it's the podcasting's the new wave and a lot of people are talking about it as a great opportunity to network with people. So naturally people are jumping on board and John is helping a lot of those people get on board. But, you know, sometimes they end up with $2,000 worth of audio equipment sitting in the corner of their room because they thought that this is what they needed. And then they realized this is, this is a pain in the ass. Like, oh, I don't want to keep doing this. Yeah. And they go and they go on to the next hot topic. Yeah, my my investment uh, I has not changed. I still have my forty five dollar Audio Technica. Uh, what is it called? ATR. ATR. Yeah, yeah. ATR twenty one hundred. There you go. You've got one as well. Uh huh. And then uh, twenty dollars for Ecamm call recorder and Skype. Yep. And then my highest expense is that I have a VA who does the post production. Which honestly, without that, I probably would have given up because it's it's that's a slog for me, you know, getting through that. Um, so that's the yeah. highest expense, and that's all you need. And and this is like it, it, you know, it's the quality of the equipment is not going to make your podcast sound any better. It's not going to make your interviews go any smoother. No. It's not going to make sure you get the best guests. You know, the, the, as long as it's some like you said, this fifty dollar mic and, uh, and and a desire to kind of communicate with your audience. That's really what you need just to get started. Yeah. Although I have to say I've been getting more and more envious of the uh, the hanging mic thing that people have, yes. you know. The yeah, the boom. The boom the, mic thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, those look pretty cool. They look pretty sweet. So maybe yeah. maybe at some point I'll I'll uh, treat myself. I bet they're not that expensive. They're probably no. I have one in my home office, and it's I think it's 80, 90 bucks or something like that. Oh, but that's too yeah. expensive. Yeah, forget it. No, forget it. <laughs> well, you can put it. We we can put the word out to Heil if they want to send you a nice gift because they love your podcast. Now there's so. <laughs> another thing. Yeah, actually, I have some friends who are podcasters who've been savvy about that. Who will um, approach sponsors about certain products for them to quote unquote try out and then they yeah. send in the product and they use it you know for a while and then eventually the whoever makes it just says ah just keep it which sounds pretty cool yeah you gotta put, could, the, inten- you gotta put the intention out there i could use a nice couch that would be pretty <laughs> cool <laughs> so you mentioned uh, something i want to come back to something you said about developing a habit of networking um, I know you're a big fan of some of the tools you mentioned contactually. Is there anything else you do either from a routine or from tools that are your, your go-to toolkit um, that help you with this ha- to, to keep to keep this habit going? You know, honestly, there are uh, things like email. There are things like phone. There are things like just text messaging people. There's things like, you know, just Twitter using – I mean, I create like a private Twitter list of people that I'm interested in deepening my relationship with. So I yeah. look through what they're talking about very quickly, sorted out from other lists, um, the people who I really want to deepen relationships with. Um, I have tutorials on my site also for how to um, you know, set up your own blog. There are going to be people listening to this who don't have their own blog. Well, let me explain how, how a blog can be tremendously helpful. Yeah, I mean, there's actually, so the, the best example for this is there's the great book um, uh, by Ad- Adam Grant. Oh, Give and Take is a tremendous book. Hold on, I've got. Um, hold on, let me grab it. I've got. Yeah, sure. This is this is great uh, audio, isn't it? When I grab the book, hold on. We'll just give him a second. Head on over to his bookshelf. Okay. All right. You're gonna have to shorten that. You're gonna cut that out. No, so, I tend to, I tend to leave all that stuff in. Makes it sound a bit more real. I, I like just, it. I think we just lost everyone. <laughs> Chip and Dan Heath. Chip and Dan Heath made to stick. Um, made to stick in that book, he, they, they profiled this local editor of a newspaper who has this policy or motto, mantra, whatever you call it, that he calls names, names, names. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a local newspaper. And he says to all his reporters, we want to put as many names of the local people in our paper as possible. Pictures, names, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because people love to see their names in there. Yeah. And it sells newspapers. Huh. And you can apply that same approach to your blog in your industry. So let's say your industry is whatever. You, you want to sell more Etsy items or you're a consultant to Etsy shop owners. I just okay. made that up. I don't know. Yeah. Why. Um, and, and so you want to find that. Well, you go out and find the, the potential audience that large Etsy shop owners who you want to hire you as a client. And then you start writing about them on your blog. And it doesn't matter if your audience isn't that large. Mm-hmm. People appreciate that. You write it up and then you send an email with a link saying, hey, I wrote about you here. Yeah. Or, or you interview them and you quote them and you put them in the article. And obviously, the larger the platform, the better. So if you can be a contributor to Huffington Post or Forbes or something, then do it there. But if not, then have your own blog and put it and write about it there. Yeah. And it's, it's just the same strategy, the names, names, names strategy only applied in the digital space. Okay. So I, I strongly advise people to do that. In fact, whenever I write something for Forbes, for Art of Manliness, for some of the places that I write for, 
I always try and include other people who I know or people who you, obviously you want them to provide value. They have to contribute something to the article. But I also know that quoting someone in a forum like that is a value to that person. Right. So. Yeah. So and I think oftentimes people don't remember that. They don't recall the, the 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 value to that. Or even just mentioning someone on a podcast. You know, there's a number of people that we've mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. You know, you can do that and then send them a link and they're like, Oh, you know, they get a little warm and fuzzy from you. Yeah, I've done I've done that in the past. It, yeah. it, it definitely works. It does, absolutely. Right, right. So um those are some strategies that people can can follow. Oh, and then the other tutorial I have on my site also is for setting up an email newsletter list, which goes, of course, kind of hand in hand with starting a blog. And um having an email newsletter list allows you to scale your relationships. As your as your um audience grows or just as your network grows, as you know more and more people, as you meet people, you can say, Hey, Go to my site. Here's my website. Go to my site and and hop on my email list so we can remain in touch. Or better yeah. yet, you have some kind of thing of value. If you're an Etsy shop owner, consultant again, you can say I wrote a a uh, ebook that's free. It's on my site. It's called Ten Tips for Etsy Shop Owners. Go and download it. Then they're on your email list. Then you can communicate with them. And as your list grows, a hundred people, five hundred people, seven thousand people, twenty thousand people. It's it's a scalable way of remaining in touch with people. It doesn't replace the one-on-one touch of connecting mm-hmm. with someone one-on-one, but it does, you know, it it is a way that you can communicate with people who are your target demographic you want to build relationships with uh, as well. That's fantastic advice and the specificity with which you addressed something to put it in a real tangible experience, I think, you know, puts it concrete in, in the listener's mind about ideas and then they can just substitute Etsy or for something else that they're doing. But I think, I the, so. the, yeah, the way you walk yeah. through that whole process just shows you like, if you think this through and you, and you have some intention about where you're trying to go with the blog post and what you can do, you just don't post it and then forget about it. You know, you, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot you can do if, if you're willing to put in the time to take the, the advantage of the work that you put into writing it in the first place. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw out one other one that just came into mind. And I love doing this one is just if, if someone you know and admire, someone who maybe is on your conversations list who you want to build a relationship with, if they are trying to work on something, they have a book coming out, they have a new business that they're launching, something, whatever it is. Doing a quick review, you don't even need to have a blog for this strategy. You can do a quick video review. Almost every laptop these days has got a video camera built into it. You can open up the laptop, sit in front of it, hold up the book or maybe a postcard or piece of paper or just speak directly into the camera and say, so-and-so, who's someone that I admire, is got this new business that they're launching, new movie coming out, new book coming out, whatever it is. And I saw it and it was good for these reasons. You do it for two minutes. That's it. You upload it to YouTube or you put it on your blog or whatever. You send an email to that person and say, hey, just want to let you know I was really influenced by the book that you just came out with. I really enjoyed it. So I shared this video. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoy it. And I've done that a number of different times. I did it with Chris Gillibo. I did it with Carol Roth who wrote The Entrepreneur Equation. And bam, you mean, people can't, they can't help it. If yeah. someone like records a video and sends you an email and says, here's a link to this video that I recorded about you, they can't help it but check it out. And they also get to know you a little bit better than they would just reading a blog post where you've just written about them. 
Yeah, and it's not one of the thousand emails that tried to creep their way into their inbox to grab their attention. I mean, it sounds so simple, but people don't take the time to do it because like, oh, I, I don't want to I don't want to see myself on camera. I probably sound silly. I don't like to sound my voice or I just don't want to take the two minutes. Like, literally, it is two minutes and it's so easy. I've done that recently for giving feedback to a podcast, this new podcast that I heard called Startup about the guys trying to get funding, the guy from This American Life, um, Alex something or other, I forgot his name, but I I, I just turned on the computer, I, I recorded my uh, love for the show as a video, and then I was like, hey, I, I was inspired to just record this for you, I, I think it's awesome, and I sent that out, so uh, we'll see how that turns out. But Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's nothing more passionate than that, so... so um, I know we're getting close to the, uh, the, the, the top of the hour, bottom of the hour, but uh, what, when you think about like, the value of you placing uh, networking, which networker out there continues to inspire you personally? Um, well, I mean, I just, uh, I just interviewed Larry Benet. He definitely is one, um, Jason Gaynor, who's the founder yeah. of mastermind talks, amazing, does an amazing job. Um, and I interviewed him for my podcast. I haven't published it yet. Uh, Jordan Harbinger, we talked about earlier, the founder of art of charm. He's definitely very good at Tom Morcus, who I'm in a mastermind group with. He actually does an amazing job too. He's got an, a, uh, a boutique publishing house that he works on, you know, and a lot of times it's people who, who aren't. Um, necessarily trying to tell the rest of the world about how to build connections, how to build relationships. But, you know, you look at guys like uh, even Noah Kagan, the founder of AppSumo, yeah. does, a, does a really good job of it. And he wasn't always Noah Kagan, famous chief sumo for AppSumo. Not that long ago, he was, you know, slogging it through and trying to build relationships with people that were more important. And actually, I've gotten to know him. He's still doing that. He's still yeah. trying to build relationships with people who can help his business grow. So it doesn't really change. It's just the the audience that you're reaching out to changes. And he does a really good job of it because he always leads with trying to help the person that he's reaching out to, trying to provide them with resources that don't cost anything or that are not that expensive. So he does a really good job of it. My friend Susan Rand, who's author of How to Work a Room, does a really good job. Um, I guess I could go on and on. <laughs> well, Noah Kagan was interesting because he takes an effort. He goes out of his way when he goes on shows. He's like, how can I make this the, your most popular episode ever? And he did yeah. that with uh, James Schramko, I think, recently and, and, and another one that he was on. So he goes out of your way. And I'll definitely list the interview you had with him because you, you dug deep into his, you know, his, his failures in the past and how that made him um, the marketer he is now. So a couple of quick anecdotes on that. Um, First of all, it took a long time to get that uh, that actual interview, and I have a guest post on his site, OK Dork, which basically explains how I built a relationship with him. So you can check that out. You might want to link that in there. Yeah. Um, so that you know, it, I, I had actually tried to interview him a number of years earlier and had been unsuccessful. Um, and it wasn't until I'd, I'd taken a step back and actually tried to uh, help him. I actually quoted him or mentioned him in a couple of different articles before I reach out to him. And then when I reached out to him, you know, he gets a lot of interview requests and I didn't just say, Hey, I'd like to interview you about your entire career, which is probably pretty boring to him. Yeah. He, I interviewed him. I said, I, I, I did a very short email and I said, I want to interview you about failure and the importance of talking about failure, which is something that he has written and spoken about a lot. And so, and it was, and I also said very short commitment. I said only five to seven minutes and here's another tip. 
I said that it was for Art of Manliness because I was writing an article for Art of Manliness, which he knew. He knew that site. Turns out his brother is a big fan of it. Okay. And so that was my primary focus, although on a secondary note, I did also want to record it and put it on my podcast. So oftentimes what I'll say is I'll say, like, I would like to interview you for X, which is some, some platform that's larger than my particular uh, podcast. And then, then I, was, I will say to them, and because I know you're busy, because you're, you know, I know your time is valuable to maximize the use of our time. I'll also record the interview and I'll also post it on my podcast. Wow, that's amazing. So that's how I've actually gotten a number of the bigger names on my podcast is by actually interviewing them for some other purpose and then just saying, you know, I'll also record and put it on the podcast. And why would they object? Because that's additional exposure, right? It's more yeah. mileage. So, the, the, Yeah, the, the fact that you thought it through and the fact that you didn't succeed the first time made you kind of double down and, and say or regroup and, and say, well, how can I do this? But in a way that is of value to him. And, and, and that's why you had success with that. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, there's the follow up building relationship after that. And with anyone, anyone who I've had as a guest on my podcast, I consider that as a, a favor to me. And so then I owe them after that. So afterwards, I will try and help them in whatever way I can. Often it's in the form of introducing them to other podcasters because I know they've got a book out or they've got a business that they're promoting that they're trying to get users for or whatever. And so I will, you know, introduce them to other podcasters so that they can go and, and, and get their word out. So, uh, and I think that's important. That's a good way to continue on a relationship. Yeah. Well, you've provided a ton of value and this is one of those episodes where the people are listening and if they're in their car, they're like, oh man, I'm going to have to play this back again. Cause I got to pull up my notebook. I got to jot down all these, uh, all these tidbits and all these sites that, uh, John and Harry were talking about. So that's fantastic. That's, that's a good sign of a- <laughs> That's assuming that they didn't all tune out when I went to get the book <laughs> on the other side of my office. Um, you know, hopefully we, we have more than just three people still listening at this point. No, the feedback that I've gotten is when I, when I keep it as real as possible, and, and I've mentioned this before, but I had Elsie Escobar, she had her child with her, she was watching, and he, she starts crying, she's like, I gotta go watch my kid, and then I, hold on a second, I kept majority of that in there, and uh, and she replies back, she's like, it came out on it came out on Mother's Day. I couldn't have planned it any better. She's like that episode with my daughter in there. Uh, thank you so much. You know, it was, it was so nice to hear her on the show and the fact that you didn't just like completely try to make it as uh, you know, as clean as possible by editing all that stuff out. And I was like, oh, that's real life, man. That's what people. T- that's what happens when you when you're interviewing people. You know, it's not always perfect. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I've got a four year old now. I, I had him. Um I had him talk at the beginning of one of my episodes, episode 42 with Gary Vaynerchuk. He just said, like, welcome to the Smart Business Revolution podcast. And uh, he was younger then, so he can speak a little bit better now. So I should actually probably record something. That probably would be a good idea. Your audience audience will love that stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. See, there's real life. That could be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So where uh, where should folks go to uh, get the latest on what you're working on? Yeah, actually, so what I'll do is um, I've got a free ebooks, a 52-page guide on how to build relationships, particularly with influencers. It's called How to Grow Your Income Today by Building Relationships with Influencers, Even If You Hate Networking. It's got really some of my best advice out there. And I'll just go and set up a, a welcome page for your listeners. They can go check it out at smartbusinessrevolution.com slash podcast junkies okay. and uh, get a copy of that there. 
That's fantastic. Thanks so much for being generous with your time, John. I, I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, it, it was as, as good as I, I thought it was going to be. My, my pleasure. Thank you, Harry. So what did I tell you? That was a chock full of information. Hope you were jotting down stuff, but if not, never fear. Podcastjunkies.com slash 24 for all the show notes. So I promised last episode I'd start reading off some of the iTunes reviews and we're going to continue this week. So from Mr. Bottle Hat, I like the the easy laid back style of this podcast. It's full of great info on podcasts too. I'm just discovering the range of great podcasts that are available. From Kimmy22331, Chris Rohn recommended your show, Harry, and I love it. Keep up the great work smiley face scott q well worth the time i just finished episode one with chase reeves and i love the easy show flow harry guides the conversation expertly and the result is a show packed with useful nuggets for those of us just getting into the podcasting game i'm no junkie though i can stop anytime i want in parentheses scratch his neck (laughs) thanks scott uh tyson webb harry is the man and his podcast is amazing Great format and tons of great content. I'm a junkie for podcast junkies. Thanks, Tyson. Tyson was actually a guest on the show and uh, geeked out on podcasting and Star Wars. So check that out as well. From Nida Kazmi, Harry's interview style is enough to hook me into the show. He brings some amazing guests and uses his finesse to draw great conversations. One of my favorites, Smiley Face. Oh, thanks, Nida. Okay, guys, keep the interviews, keep the interviews, keep the uh, the reviews coming. I really, really enjoy reading them, and they bring a smile to my face and make my day. So check out uh, podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes, and you can also leave them on Stitcher at podcastjunkies.com slash, slash Stitcher. Okay, I'm obviously uh, running out of... Uh, my my uh, speaking and podcast voice here so i'll wrap this up um all the other info you need is available at podcastjunkies.com and uh let us know any feedback you have on the guests the show the format the content all that other stuff all right take care guys have a fantastic week